Hi friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church Westlake, where we take the time to listen and learn more about the messages we hear each week. I'm your host, Nathan Story, the worship leader at Lake Forest Church Westlake, and joining me this week is Cesar Guerrero and Aaron Gibson, staff members of Lake Forest Church Westlake. Welcome back, guys. Series regulars, I think is what I would call you guys at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to be regular. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, it's good to have you back. Well, we are in a series uh, right now. We just started a brand new series called Back to Life. And this past weekend, we heard from Aaron starting that series, giving us a little bit of vision casting for that series uh, itself. And we're going to talk about that message now. So are we ready? Are we game to, to do that? Let's do it. Okay. Aaron, why don't you give us a little bit of a, a uh, elevator pitch for the sermon in case people haven't listened to it yet. We encourage you to go listen to these messages before you listen to the podcast. This makes the most sense to do that because what we're doing here on Tell Us More is a deep dive of the message itself. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, where you went this past weekend. Well, this uh, um, this one was so fun because, you know, we were sitting around, uh, we being the group of folks at, at the Lake Forest family of churches who just sit around and we're, we're always trying to discern what, what word of God does our people of God need to hear in this season. Yep. And you guys have been a part of those conversations. And mm-hmm. going into COVID, we all felt this sense of, we have no idea. <laughs> I mean, this normally we're planned out six months in advance yeah, as yeah, a church, yeah. which is just way cool. And we got into this, and the closer we were getting to the fall, we'd originally been thinking, hey, we're going to be all back to normal. So we were going to do this, <laughs> you know, this kind of back to normal series or new normal or something like that. Yeah, and so to uh, give you a little peek behind the curtain, the, the back to language is very familiar for us as a staff in the fall because we do, we call it a back to school series. We do a series, series about that. So we were yeah. kind of going that direction before all of this happened this year, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in Lake Norman area and probably in a lot of areas around the nation, uh, the fall is as much a reset as January is for mm-hmm. us, right, as yeah. a culture. And so we, yeah. we, we try to connect with that and think about how what does that have to do with preaching and, and worship and what we're doing on Sundays. So, but going back, we were getting closer and closer. We said, you know what? Uh, we don't even know what we're getting back to. Yeah. <laughs> just, back to what? Yeah, you know, yeah. Which could have been a cool title too, right? Back, back to, to what? Back to lockdown in some states. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so back home after you, uh, you went to college and things. Yeah, go, yeah. I mean, it's things are changing on a on a day to day basis. We were just talking about the decision that came out this week for you for Chapel Hill, UNC Chapel Hill to yeah. send their students back home. And yeah, I mean, things are changing so rapidly. So we started just asking a different set of questions. Um, and, and I kept hearing this phrase. I want to get back to normal, back to normal. I'm just waiting, 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 waiting. Yeah, yeah. And I realized that in that waiting, I, I felt like life was kind of passing me by. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people I was talking to, I thought, okay, we know we're not going to get back to normal, but is there, or rather, in what ways can we get back to life in the midst of this? So uh, we were sitting down and um, uh, talking about biblical texts, and I just felt really drawn. I, I mean, I... I would just credit the Holy Spirit, I think, for this. I, was, I felt really drawn to Nehemiah. Mm. And uh, some of our listeners might know the story of Nehemiah. Uh, I won't get into it in great detail right now. But I actually sat down a number of weeks ago, and I read the book of Nehemiah from beginning to end in, in one sitting. Mm. Uh, and it's not super, super long. Uh, I think I, I want to say it's 13 chapters. I, I might be off on that. Just might be a little less. We'll have our fact checkers. There we go. That. Fact checks. Yeah. Check that. So... Um, I, and I was so struck by his story. 
and there were so many points throughout the whole of the book that I thought we you know it, this doesn't this doesn't line up he's not in a pandemic it's not that you know one to one but there were so many connecting points I thought we've got to camp out in this book and just see what we might learn about getting back to life So that was kind of the start. That was the premise for the series. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, week one, we just decided, okay, well, let, let's get to know this guy. What what What's his big challenge he's facing? And and that's a little bit of what we tried to unpack in chapters one and two uh, this last Sunday. Great. Great. Um, is there a particular personal story um, going into this week that you felt inspired to share or, or perhaps one you didn't even share? Uh, I, apart from what you've already shared about kind of your own personal experience in, in the COVID season, but is there, is there something else about Nehemiah that uh, kind of paralleled in your life? Well, you know, I mean, it's kind of interesting because um, we as a church are in a building season right now. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I never want to make the sermon about me. Yeah. Right? My, my goal as a preacher is always to share enough of my story where it serves others but i i'm hoping to be a conduit not a not some kind of celebrity you know it's not yeah, about me right it's, it's right. about what god's wanting to say through his word and so uh, i didn't want to bring this in but nehemiah really spoke to me because you know uh he's going to go back to jerusalem and he's trying to he's trying to build god's temple uh I mean, you restore the walls the pools the gates and, uh, and he's facing a lot of challenges. And we as a church have faced some remarkable challenges yeah. with COVID. And, and yet in the midst of that, um, God's been growing my faith as I've been watching him still move that vision, that what we, what we uh, uh, like Forrest called the rooted vision mm-hmm. uh, of this, of becoming permanent stakeholders in this community with our own church facility. So, so it's been kind of encouraging and, and God's been building my faith even in the midst of this, uh, so I think, yeah, I think uh, not only am I the preacher, but I'm also one, I'm also the first listener yeah. at our church to what God's wanting to say through this book. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm looking uh, through your notes here now. Um, there's a line here. You say the point is simply this: the easiest thing for Nehemiah to do would have been nothing. How relevant is that to us right now? Yeah, as we're facing the world that we're facing. Yeah. Why do you think our temptation is to do nothing, or that's our the first thing that we can do, the easiest thing we can do is nothing? Because I wouldn't have never thought of that. I would never have thought of, oh, just sitting there is is an act in and of itself. So what? So what made you think of that, or how did that how did that idea get conjured out? You know, well, again, I, I think so much of for me when I'm shaping a message, I have so many voices and conversations that are speaking into it or informing it conversations with people in our church and or at the gym or in our community uh, neighbors friends and i i really just kept hearing that statement i don't know what to do i don't know what to do i don't know what to do and um i i think as i look at my own life and the lives of people around me with all of the uncertainty um we we can succumb to this kind of powerlessness we think well, I can't do anything. I can't affect anything. And, um, and for various reasons, you know, for some people it's fear-driven or anxiety-driven or just tired. I, I mean, I'm, mm. I don't know about y'all. I'm kind of tired right yeah. now in this season, <laughs> tired of the uncertainty, tired yeah. of things constantly changing. And so uh, I think that 
that doing nothing, um, there's obviously a good kind of waiting. I think what I was trying to draw out is for a lot of us, we're, we're in a kind of waiting that's not good. Because even though there's a lot of stuff we're powerless to change, that does not mean we are powerless at this time. And so what we're trying to draw out in the series is what are the things that we can affect? Uh, what are the things we can do to actively engage what God is doing in our lives and in our communities right now, right? Mm-hmm. He's still working. That was the whole point. Nehemiah, is he's, he's out in Babylon. He's probably never even seen Jerusalem, which is yeah. mind-blowing because, mm-hmm. you know, he's heard these stories, but he was born in exile. And his brother comes back from Jerusalem with these stories, and, and Nehemiah's like, I, I can't sit still anymore. I've got to do something. Yeah, I'm again looking at your text here. You say that in relation to Nehemiah's story. Nehemiah can't change everything, but he can change some things. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, mm. yeah, because you know we we don't really know what it's like to live in Babylon, but Babylon is the picture of powerlessness for God's people. They're totally at the mercy of whoever the the dude, the king. The, the emperor, as it were, what was at that time, right? And in yeah. Nehemiah's case, uh, it's it's Artaxerxes, or as I like to call him, Artie, right? And we, <laughs> and we know some, Nebuchadnezzar's another famous bad king of, yeah. of exile, right? A yeah. lot of people know the Nebuchadnezzar stories. Yeah. Artie's not really a good king, but um, what, what the Bible does over and over again with these stories of life in exile is it shows that that God is bigger and more powerful than the most powerful person in the world. Mm. And that's the common theme that you see through these exile stories. Yeah. And Nehemiah is right on point with that, right? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I often like to ask us about other texts from Scripture that perhaps could illustrate the same points. But yeah, I think about Daniel as a, a similar exile text, right? Yeah. Dan, Daniel is given this favor in Babylon in the most powerful nation in the world, you know, and, yeah, we see similarities there for sure. And, and Nathan, that's a really cool case study, like a parallel study, because for the most part, and you guys help me remember, for the most part, all of the conflict that Daniel has, he's just trying to mind his own business. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he keeps true. getting dragged into stuff. The king has some crazy dreams, and then Daniel gets dragged in. Yeah. They're trying to feed him this, and Daniel's like, we don't eat that kind of food, and then he gets dragged in, right? His friends are thrown into his a furnace. His friends are Is having that... a party in a fire. <laughs> yeah. <so> yeah. <laughs> But Nehemiah is distinct amongst the stories because he goes, he goes to the king. Like, remember that moment of courage yeah. where he's like, i got to do something. And, and he steps out in a way that is well, that's pretty unique. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah that's, that was in, it's interesting you just said that because I was looking at that scripture that you said, the Nehemiah 2 verses 1 through 5. And when, when I read it, it you mentioned that Nehemiah is the cupbearer. So I imagine... In my like Veggie Tales history, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like he, it's, yes. it's a cupbearer is a guy who stands by the king's throne yeah. and he's holding a big cup of juice. You yeah, know, pa- pause right there, Caesar, for a moment. For any of our listeners who don't know Veggie Tales, yeah, yeah. Uh, just just think really cheesy cartoons where the characters are all vegetables. Yes, that became a phenomenon in the evangelical it's world. A yeah. huge phenomenon. Like, and we love the veggie right. tales in the Gibson house. Right. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, I, I yeah. love them too. Love yeah, them just too. imagine it. I just imagine a chalice guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and so it, you said that he has the courage to, to approach King Artie. Is what you King Artie. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was so interesting because when, when you were reading it, it almost seems like 
King Artie is noticing Nehemiah because yeah. it says like why did he just asked him why do you look so sad yeah 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 you know so so when you said when you talked about the courage like it, it what how does that courage get displayed when the king's the one initiating almost hey you yeah. look you look sad yeah like mm. what's what's the danger of him being honest I guess in that moment where he's like well you know Jerusalem is this way and and I feel bad for that like. Is it because King Artie is like, why is your allegiance or like, why are you thinking about your old place? You're supposed to be thinking about here and now. Is that where the the courage comes from, or is it something else? Because I, I honestly, I had no idea. Oh, absolutely. Could because remember, Jerusalem was a military power at one time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the ancient Near East, right? And, and and what what you might not know about history is, in that in the Fertile Crescent where the where Jerusalem is, Palestine, all that. There were a um, a bunch of small little nations, yeah. and Israel was one of them. Uh, there were the Philistine, the Philistines, right? uh, all these different groups, and and they kind of had these little squabbles between themselves. Yeah. But then, when when the exile happened, it was like the big, massive bully nations of the east <laughs> yeah. came, Whoa. and they squashed everybody. I mean, that when they came through. These little nations were no match for mm-hmm. the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, mm-hmm. ultimately the, the the what I call the Caesars or the Greeks, the Romans, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, but no to, relation. Yeah, no, no relation, relation to, to me. Caesar. No, 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 no relation yeah, yeah, to this Caesar. <laughs> but the uh, the big thing is, um, if you're the dominant power and you come in and conquer a people, well, you you tear down all their stuff. That's the problem. Jerusalem is in ruins, mm. and. Um, Ezra, who was right before Nehemiah, we're actually going to talk about this this coming weekend, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Ezra uh, had already begun a project to renew the temple, but the temple alone could not sustain the city. All the other infrastructure, the walls, the gates, the pools, all the things that give life to the temple and the city were not back yet. Mm-hmm. And so the king, if he allows all of that to be rebuilt, it's risky because he's giving power back to this little nation wow. that he squashed. So it's, yeah, I, I don't know wow. what a modern day parallel would be. because That you know, is bizarre. It, it, so Nehemiah asking for this king's blessing to go build some walls is like, hey, I want to go build another kingdom in a yeah. sense. Like, yeah. That that you crushed too. Right. Like, yeah, right. the, the, right. So so here's the here's the Star Wars moment, right? Like remember Darth Vader and Luke standing in front of the Emperor, and then the Emperor has his lightsaber, right? Yeah. And he gives he get he lets Luke have the lightsaber again. Like what do you? And then we all know something big's about to happen because mm-hmm. you shouldn't do that. Right. <laughs> if you're King Artie, you shouldn't allow Nehemiah to go and rebuild. Only a God who's more powerful than Artie. Mm. He could could accomplish that kind of purpose. Wow! So that's kind of that's the backstory going on with Nehemiah, and he's about. So I, he, it's not just that he tells the king, "Hey, I'm sad because my mm-hmm. my my ancestors' town is in ruins." In the next few verses, and we didn't have time to get to all of this. We'll talk a little bit about it this coming weekend. He's going to ask the king to like foot the bill for this. <laughs> he's wow. going to ask the king to send a military escort so that these other tribal kings don't harass him on his way to Jerusalem. I mean, he he asks for the the whole the whole deal. It's wow. pretty crazy. Some boldness there. Yeah, yeah. boldness. Yeah. That really puts the courage in perspective. That, that, that this conversation. Has. Yeah, there's 
I was just reminded quickly, it's a little bit of a rabbit trail, um, about where I'd heard Cupbearer before. And I was think following that trail reminded me of just how many stories, particularly in the Old Testament of the Bible, um, that have someone brought through the ranks right up underneath uh, a, a very powerful ruler. I'm thinking of Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his own brothers. Yep. You know, and then... Um, basically became the second in command to Pharaoh. Yeah. Um, and he had an interaction with a cupbearer too, a cupbearer and then a baker with the Sunday yeah, yeah, school that's version. Right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that baker. I don't yeah, know that's if right. that was the, the actual translation. Right. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. yeah, how how interesting that you know, there's, there's, and I think there's something there too for us too that so many of God's chosen people were brought right up to power. Yeah. Not up to the fully in control, but blessed enough to where they had enough control to be a voice in someone's life. Yeah, so a little bit of a rabbit trail there, but interesting oh, to think about. Yeah, I uh, think that's so that, important for today. Sorry yeah, to cut you off. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was kind of I was trailing off anyway. So. Well, I was going to say, you know, we there there are a lot of Christians who think that the only way for uh, Christianity or or the church to uh, be influential and be able to be a part of God's kingdom in this world is if we are in power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so um, there can be this kind of love affair that we fall into with power. Mm -hmm. And um, the scriptures kind of offer a little bit of a different story, right? I mean, the bulk of the Old Testament is about God still accomplishing his purposes, even though his people aren't in power. Yeah, in Mm -hmm. fact, they have basically no power because they're wandering around in the desert for 40 years, for generations. So when when the apostle, when, when Paul says... You know, my uh, your power is made perfect in my weakness. You know, he there's a long backstory to that statement. Yeah, for sure. And that's even seen in Jesus, right? That's seen in Jesus as the. And I think the Hebrew people of the time, uh, certain factions of them were looking for this military hero yeah. to come and save them from being uh, kind of in exile again in, in the Roman uh, territories and, and part of the Roman conquest at the time. Uh, and Jesus came in a very different form, which yeah. is hard to grasp, which is was a very humble um, form. Yeah, yeah Christ- Christians throughout the centuries. And, and this will be interesting for us in our own nation, our own context, as we watch in the coming decades. You know, Christians have very rarely been in the seats of power. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and Jesus says, no, you know, the, your primary way of working in this world is going to be more like salt and it's going to be like light. Yeah. And uh, it's probably going to look a little differently. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back to something you mentioned um, earlier in the episode. We were talking about all the uh, the voices that we hear in our lives today. Um, and I'm, I'm looking back at, at your text again and seeing a passage from the book of Nehemiah in the first chapter where there's a prayer that I think we could, we could all use and probably say every day, mm-hmm. uh, which is this. Uh, prayer here that says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I just think that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, try, I wanted to have more time for this, uh, but you know, there's a lot of scholarly writing on this. Um, uh, amongst the people who make their living studying books of the Bible and writing books about the books of the Bible. And uh, what's interesting about Nehemiah is this whole first chapter is centered on this prayer. And um, the, the part that I, I'm not, 
I didn't tackle because I think we'll have to come back to it later is this confession that he makes and, and it's really interesting um, he, he just acknowledges that not only did his ancestors the ones who were in Jerusalem before the the Babylonians came and sacked them um, he said he, he recognizes that they sinned and, and the and the way that he recognized that they sinned was by turning away from God mm-hmm. and but then he doesn't stop there he doesn't blame someone else he actually includes himself in that mm. he says I, and, and, and not just he says and not just them but me as well mm. so he recognizes that that somehow in his life he he has failed to to put God at the center and it's really a powerful confession mm-hmm. he, he makes this confession and and it's I mean it's full of grace because he anticipates that that the Lord is is um, abounding in love. Yes. Slow to anger, right? His mercies are new everywhere. He he knows those verses, and he appropriates that grace. He he receives that grace, and then he asks for this courage to move forward. Mm-hmm. So so you you mentioned he he almost has a generational confession moment where it's like these are things I didn't I am not responsible for, um, and yet because. I have acted similarly or maybe you know I inherited some of that that I should just put that in your put that ball in God's court and so what, what does that look like for us you know today to pray a prayer like that where, where we're confessing a sin that we might not even be implicated at all in yeah is that something we should continue doing or is that just something people in the Old Testament did that we don't really do anymore? Um, yeah. What's what's the opportunity in that? Oh, see, that's such a good question. You know, I, we we live in such. Uh, let me take a stab at that because mm-hmm. this is because boy, I, I'd have to reflect on that a little bit more. Uh, two things come to mind. First is we live in such an individualistic culture today mm-hmm. that um, you know if I did not directly do the wrong thing, then I bear no responsibility for any you know. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Any, yeah. Yeah, that makes it's, sense. It's not on me. Yeah. That was, hey, well, I'm not responsible for what my parents did or what my grandparents did. Right. Right? That's not my problem. Um, yeah, no, no societal problems are our problems. Yeah, of any yeah. kind, right? And and I don't. Yeah. And and then in, even in the positive sense, uh, you know, I don't have any obligation to my neighbor who mm. might be in need or, or or another family member, right? Because look, my primary allegiance is to myself as an individual. Yeah. I, and no judgment on that. I'm just. I, I mean, I think that's kind of the waters right. we, we swim in right now yeah. as a society. Yeah. It's the air we breathe right yeah. now. Yeah. And um, and yet, you know, lots of other parts of the world do not operate. They're they're they do not operate in that hyper individual individualistic way that we do. Now that said, the second thing that's interesting to me is that there is that. Um, uh, there are those verses in Deuteronomy talk about uh, that God punishes the sins of the fathers to the fourth generation. Right? Yeah, that was so weird reading that. Yeah. Out of like, I mean, I remember like flipping through the Bible in church when I got bored, and then that being a verse, I stumbled yeah. like, oh, well, I guess I should, I should listen to the pastor now because <laughs> I'm, I'm in territory where I don't care to be in anymore. <laughs> what does yeah. that mean? Thanks, Dad. I, so. <laughs> Well, so it seems like there's kind of two options with that verse, right? Either one, God's just a um, a grudge-holding, big, bad meanie mm-hmm. who, even though it's not Caesar's fault, what his 
great-grandfather did, God's so ticked about it, he's going to punish Caesar. Mm. Now, obviously— That's scary. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think yeah. that that's consistent with the God of the whole of the Scriptures, nor with the God that Jesus reveals to us, right? So if we look at the whole of the Scriptures, and, we, and particularly you know, Jesus, what Jesus shows us about God's heart— um, I think a second reading is better. I, I think when, when Deuteronomy says, look, God punishes the sins, he's talking about a phenomena that we see in everyday life. Um, the place I'm at in my life, good and bad right now, in some ways is a consequence of the choices that my father, mm. my grandfather, and my great-grandfather made. Mm. And so it, it's as much naming something that's true of God's world Mm. Uh, as it is anything else, right? Wow. And so I want to believe that who I am today is solely, again, this back on the individual, is solely because of my hard work, because of my merit, because of what I've done and earned. Right. But the reality is much of who I am, good and bad, mm. comes from decisions that were made long before I, I was ever even born. Yeah. And so then Nehemiah's prayer is almost him putting himself in the way of that perpetual, what, you know, could end up turning into four or five more generations of being lost or turning away yes. from God. He decides to correct the course in some ways mm. with, with that prayer, which is really interesting because um, it's almost like we, we like to go there when it's good things, right? It's like, oh, an inheritance? That yeah, sounds yeah, that's great. Right, that's you right, know? That's right. <laughs> or, you know, this, this stays in the family, this family heirloom? That's awesome. You know, so so yeah. what is what is what is he gifting to the future generations in that kind of a prayer, or in that course correction, that maybe is exciting for us today as we think of our own kind of course corrections in this moment? That's a great question, Cease. You're probably going to have to come back next Sunday oh. to hear more. <laughs> I want to tell me now. Tell us tell more now. now. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. No, I, Cease. I think that's that's really what the book of Nehemiah is about, right? Like mm. he really is. It really is a book about the next generation in that way. Mm. Um, but I, I mean, I, mm. any of our listeners, I, I would highly commend uh, this to you. Sit down sometime this week, get a cup of coffee, grab a glass of wine, go sit on the back deck, whatever it is, and, and just read the whole story from beginning to end. It, it's amazing to see. You'll get a glimpse of Nehemiah and you'll get a, a glimpse of God's compassion and love for his people. It's, it's mm. really cool. Well, Aaron, you closed uh, your message by praying this prayer I want to read for us right now, um, the serenity prayer. It says this, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. What, what's your experience been with this prayer that uh, prompted you to share it with, with us? Yeah, well, you know, you guys know this about me, and, and I, I talk often enough about it, but my understanding of the spiritual life, the life of the Christian, has been so shaped by friends and mentors who have, at various points in their journey, intersected with the 12-step community. Mm. And um, I just have such admiration for the courage of 12-steppers. And and so this prayer was first introduced to me through a mentor uh, who uh, is a 12-stepper and a retired pastor and and um, I just was thinking about this in prayer in light of where we're at today um, you know there's a back on the thing we started with there's a lot that's going on 
on, on my social media feeds and in the news and just in the world and conversation that could make me just want to throw my hands up in the air and say, I quit. Mm. I, I can't do anything. Yeah. And, uh, and yet, while some there's a lot that I can't control, I can't control whether my kids' colleges are going to yeah. shut down and send the kids back home. I, I don't have any control of that decision. Yeah, yeah. There are some decisions in my life that I do have control over right, right now. And they're probably smaller, but they might be just as, if not more, important. Um, and that's really what we're going to keep exploring in, in this series. So, so this prayer, it's really that line, courage to change the things I can. Mm. Um, I think what I've been trying to say is, God, help me to know the difference. What, what are the things I, I'm powerless against right now that I don't need to worry about? Mm-hmm. I can't affect those. But what are the things that you really want me to focus on in this season? So that I don't get to the other side of this, whenever it is, however long that, and I look back and say, I just wasted that year of my life. Yeah. I don't want to look back and say, ah, oh, man, I just wasted that. Yeah. When you say waste, what, I mean, maybe this is too personal, but what would that look like for you personally? Because I'm having to, I'm, I, you mentioned that, and I'm th- trying to think in my own life, well, what is a wasted opportunity other than me not getting to a project that I was hoping to do, yeah. you know? What does waste look like for you um, in this time? Well, let me answer it with a story. So I I was on the phone. um, My boys were at their soccer practice, and I was on the phone with a friend, and and he shared that story with me that I opened the sermon about, about when is the best time to plant a tree. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And uh, I, it's it's cheesy. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty cheesy story, but but it, the point gets across yeah, really well, right? Like, like it. It's like it's a, a modern proverb. It is. It's yeah. Yeah. like a parable proverb. or something like that. Yeah. 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 So so if for those who haven't heard the sermon yet, the the story is that this. You know, a father asks a son. He says, "Son, when's the best time to plant a tree?" And the son says, "I don't know." And the father says, "Well, ten years ago." And then, and then he says, "But when's the second best time to plant a tree?" And he and he says to his son, um, "Today, right now, yeah. right." And we get the point. I think, Caesar, that's what I mean by wasted, right? There, mm. there is growth mm. in my relationship with God and, and, and my life of faith that God wants to ha- see ha- help happen right now. Mm-hmm. I think there's growth in my relationship with others, first and fo- foremost, my, my wife and my kids, but also my, my community group and, and the other men around me that I'm doing life with as, as we try to grow together as followers of Jesus. And then thirdly, growth in the area of where I'm using my time and energy and gifts to, to serve others and, and to do good in this world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think this can be a season of planting trees in each of those three areas mm. so that when we come out the other side of this in one year or in 10, <laughs> please, Lord, not 10, uh, but whenever we come out the other side, that growth is already moving. We're that much closer to bearing the fruit because we planted right now. Mm-hmm. We didn't wait. Yeah. yeah. And in 10 years, after 10 years of pandemic, when we're all wearing spiky armor and uh, driving <laughs> road warrior cars, we're going to need some green trees. Yes, yeah. that's right. So everything's going to be sure. dead by now. <laughs> yeah. On that note, let's go. <laughs> well, no, Nathan, were you no. the one who told me what, that, that, uh, that 20, 2021 was the year of Mad Max Thunderdome? Oh, I don't. It sounds like something I would know, yeah, I, but I don't think I did share that with you. I think it. Well, I think the Mad Max movies are right around right now. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. living in Mad Max. We're, it we're seems living. like Australia and New Zealand are doing pretty good now. Uh, yeah. Doing okay right now, though. So, although they did just have a resurgence too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs>
Tell me less about yeah, that. That's yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Back on what we can control. Yeah, we can change exactly. right? yeah. yeah. I think I can control New Zealand's COVID <laughs> outbreaks. I don't know about you guys. I feel empowered when I'm on social media. Yeah. Yeah. What is so, As we've uh, kind of leaned into, it is a great time to go back and look at your favorite things. And we're having a blast with this uh, Back to the Future kind of theming yeah. of this, this series. It'll be a lot of fun. And a lot more fun stuff coming your way too in our, in our services but uh, any last words you guys want to add anything else as we wrap up our time together today well I, I just have a funny question I kind of want to know what you guys okay. if you guys have experienced this but see, have you here. guys found yourself on social media or maybe even browsing your phone and and seeing stuff that you were posting about or or put pictures that you're posting in May or April or March at the beginning of COVID and then kind of laughing at them now have y'all had any of these moments where it's like, oh, wow, first month of COVID, I was thinking this, and now that you've gone through, what, five months now we're in COVID, five months? Yeah. You just kind of laugh at yourself? Yeah. What, what yeah, is the well, mo- I, What's I, that been for you? I was just talking yesterday to Beverly, our children's ministry coordinator, and, and we were talking about that. Hey, remember back in March when this was just a weird speed bump, and now here we are six months later. So not necessarily in the, the world mm-hmm. of social media, but just in my own mindset, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Caesar, you mean you can go back on social media and see old photos? <laughs> yes, it's a thing called uh, the time lapse. I had no Fa- idea. Facebook does a time lapse for a year. Yeah. They need to do a, a time lapse for pre-COVID. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Remember when you were happier? No. There was a really funny moment. And I, maybe I was teasing up this this story, but there was a funny moment when so we, Katie and I got married at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. And... Um, Last year for Christmas, she'd got me a instant camera film thing, Polaroid thing, and um, the first week of being married and with COVID, we took pictures of the meals that we were making because we we're like, it's going to be so much fun to look back at these meals <laughs> when we were cooking and all this kind of stuff. I don't know why it was meal centric, but it was, and we wrote down week one COVID. And we just stopped counting after like week three or four and stopped taking pictures altogether after one month. And we found those pictures again and how kind of happy we, we were, like, weirdly happy about these pictures. And we just laughed at ourselves pretty hard being like, this is absolutely ridiculous that we thought this was going to be a, a week, you know, weeks of COVID. And yeah, now we're in yeah, yeah. Well, five lo- to six months. I love months. this idea because you, Caesar preached for us two weeks ago and, uh, you know, you showed a picture from your wedding day. You guys are all happy and mm-hmm. Young, beautiful looking folks, and <laughs> and I, I just picture like a, a meme of that picture, like beginning of COVID and like end of COVID. It's just like the American Gothic picture yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, with my pitchfork, like it'd be right. in front it's of the farmhouse in the, in the middle of COVID. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, well, Nathan, you ask for a final thought. You know, I I have found myself um, ending every conversation with loved ones or friends these days, mm-hmm. where I just want to remind them. Uh, hey, God's with, God's with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God's with you. That's so good. Um, and uh, uh, so to any of our listeners, uh, listen, whether you're listening, whatever, wherever you're listening, uh, I want to remind you and encourage you, God's with you in this, He mm-hmm. just as he's with Nehemiah, and, and he's working. And he'll, he'll see us through. He'll see us through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, that's our time for this episode of our podcast. Thank you for listening, and a huge thank you to our guests, Cesar Guerrero and Aaron Gibson. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Nathan. Join us next time when we ask our pastors, speakers, and those who minister to and with us to tell us more. Bye.